our everlasting salvation. And we open ourselves up to what you want to say to us this morning through the power of your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you just remain standing and we'll give attention to our passage today in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. This is the word of God to you today. Paul writes, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. The word of God to you today. You can be seated. Well, good morning and happy new year, New City. Grateful to see all of you here this morning. Uh, if you have a space in between, if you just would scoot in, we have a few people in the back still looking for a, a place to sit. That would be wonderful. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here at New City. And it is a joy to have you today. If you're visiting for the first time, I hope this won't be your last time. And we would love to connect with you after the service. We're starting something today called New City in Five. So we just wanna take five extra minutes with you. We'll keep your kids for an extra five minutes. And we wanna tell you five things about the church and help you to take a step uh, towards making this your spiritual home. We'd love for that to, to take place. The passage that we just heard read today, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses three through five, Paul is talking about our thoughts and the power of our thoughts. And he uses the language of battle and war because the truth is that there is a battle that is raging for our thoughts. And there is an enemy who wants to influence every single one of your thoughts. And there is a God who wants to influence and direct every one of your thoughts. And there's a battle that wages. And Paul says, we don't battle and wage war like the world does. Um, we use supernatural, godly weapons to wage war in our thought life. And we're going to talk about that over the next six weeks in a series entitled Train Station. So I just want to invite you up front to be a part of this series as much as possible. Uh, if you can't be here to watch online, and want to welcome all of you who are watching online today and joining us for the series. There's a couple of tools that we've created to help you go further. So if you have the New City app, um, you can look under the study guide, and we've created a study guide for every one of the messages to go further, uh, just individually or as a family. Maybe you want to talk about the message a little bit further around the, the dinner table or as a group or a circle. Uh, if you want to go further with a message, we want to invite you to do that. And then there's an outline for every message as well. So if you're a note taker, you'd like to fill in the blanks, uh, that's available on the app as well. But I just want to encourage you over the next six weeks to be a part of this really important series as we talk about our thought life and what God has to say about each and every one of them. On May 15th, 2001, something unremarkable and unbelievable happened at the same moment. A train that carried the, the call sign CSX8888 left a station in Toledo, Ohio. How many of you are from Toledo, ever lived in Toledo, Ohio? A couple of you. A, a train left the train station there. That was unremarkable, happens every day. But what was remarkable about this morning on May 15th, 2001, 
is that CSX 8888 left the train station with no one on board. It was loaded full with hazardous material, and it traveled some 66 miles through the state of Ohio, uh, reaching speeds of upwards of 51 miles an hour, all while unmanned. Uh, it was uh, uh, the inspiration for a movie that you may have seen in 2010 starring Denzel Washington entitled Unstoppable. And you may be asking yourself the question, how in the world did this happen? A train that was loaded with dangerous, hazardous materials, leaving a train station unmanned and traveling 66 miles through the state of Ohio with no one at the controls. Well, the engineer had worked with the company, CSX, for 35 years. He had an impeccable record, had never had an accident. But on the morning of May 15th, 2001, he made one of the worst mistakes of his life. He left the controls of a running train. Hopping down off the tracks to look at something that he saw on the train track, the train started to roll down the tracks and he couldn't stop it. It only took one moment, maybe of being distracted like the conductor was here in this instance, or maybe a, a moment of isolation or carelessness or, or maybe even for some of us, pride. It only took a moment, but in that moment, the train was gone and it became a full-blown runaway train loaded with dangerous materials. You know, a train is a, a powerful engine, and when it's controlled, it has transformed our country as we built train tracks from the East Coast to the West Coast. It transformed the United States. A train that's under control is a powerful, powerful machine, but when it's uncontrolled, it becomes a terrifying weapon. And I think this serves, this metaphor of a train and a train station becomes a, a powerful metaphor for our thought life. That when our thoughts are under the control of God's thoughts, of his direction, his purposes, his truth, they're powerful, powerful engines, machines that can be used for God's purposes in the world. But when our thoughts are left uncontrolled, unattended, just like this runaway train was, they can become dangerous weapons. They become words, they become actions, they become emotions that are destructive. This is a, a series about the power of our thoughts, and more importantly, the power of the brain that God gave to each and every one of us, that again is a gift from God that's so very powerful. And if you want to think about it this way as we go throughout the series, your brain is like a train station, it's like Grand Central Station. And every single one of the thoughts that come through your brain is like an individual train that's coming and going out of the station. And every single one of those trains has a destination. It's taking you someplace. And this becomes, again, a very powerful way of thinking about our thought life. Did you know that this powerful engine that God's given to us called our brain it creates more electrical impulses in a day than all of the world's cell phones combined. Your brain creates more electrical impulses a day than all of the world's cell phones combined. 
That's how powerful it is. Did you know that your brain processes somewhere between 50 and 70,000 individual thoughts or trains every single day? So during this sermon, you'll probably think somewhere upwards of 1,000 thoughts. One per every 1.7 seconds. What are you thinking? (laughs) And again, this metaphor of a train station becomes this powerful understanding of every single one of those 50 to 70,000 thoughts, uh, where are they being directed? Who's at the controls taking them to the destination? You know, speaking of the power of your brain and the thoughts that come through and process through your brain, the American Medical Association says somewhere around 75% of all mental, physical, and behavioral illnesses come from one's thoughts. This whole idea of the the connection between your brain and your body, the psychosomatic connection, that what you think and what you dwell on, what you fix your mind on, uh, begins to resonate and take residence within your own body. Moreover, 75 to 90%, according to the American Medical Association, of all primary care doctors, I know we have several in the room today, that primary care doctor visits can be attributed, 75 to 90% of them can be attributed to some sort of mental distress. And then it takes resonance within your body and begins to create uh, some sort of manifestation in the way that you feel. You know, your, your mind and your thoughts have a lot to do with how your, your body begins to, to feel. You know, so, some, someone once said that your body is probably the most honest thing about you. Your body doesn't lie. And when you're running really hard, we just came out of a season where many of us were sprinting to the end of the the finish and we had a really stressful finish of the year and Christmas and all the things. And you begin to feel run down and your body's telling you, hey, 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 we need to slow down. We need to eat better, right? We need need to take our time. We we need to um, figure out how to manage our stress in a better way. Many of you are endeavoring to do that as you begin a new year. Your body begins to become more honest with you oftentimes than we are with ourselves and our thoughts. Uh, Solomon, the the wisest man in the world, said it this way uh, in the book of Proverbs, a collection of wisdom. He said this in Proverbs 23, verse 7. And this is, some of you grew up in the Bible in the KJV, so here you go. Uh, as a man thinketh in his heart, Solomon said, so is he. That's the power of our thoughts. And in and, and the Old Testament, the Hebrew understanding of the heart was not like the organ heart. It was the center of your life. That's why Solomon wrote in Proverbs 4.23, above all things guard your what? Guard your heart, because he says everything in your life flows from your heart. Well, it's the center, it's the volition, it's the direction of your life. And so Solomon is saying, as you think, that thought that comes through your brain and through your, through your life, your will, that's the most important thing about you. As you think, so you become. God gave each of us this beautiful and powerful brain to process these incredible thoughts. And again, when they're directed in the right way and they're under the influence of God's truth, they become powerful, powerful um, machines, if you will, to do the will and the mission of God. But when they're left uncontrolled and unmanned like our runaway train, they can become weaponized. They can become words and actions and thoughts that are very destructive to ourselves. And and by the way, the, the loved ones around us, our thought life doesn't just affect ourselves. It affects everybody around us. 
the individual thoughts that are coming and going out of your train station, your brain, have a, a big and massive effect on the people around you. Just ask them today and they'll tell you that your thoughts have a huge effect and influence on their lives. Think about it this way, the power of a thought. When we sow or we plant a thought, oftentimes it manifests or it becomes a, a word. And when we plant or we, we sow a word, uh, we're not far from it becoming an action. When you hear someone talking about something, typically they're not far from acting on that. When you hear someone talking about something, you know, uh, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. So when words come out of our mouth, oftentimes it's an insight into what we're thinking. And when someone begins to speak those words, you get an insight of what's going on internally. And after those words comes an action, you know, typically something is gonna follow on from, from, from those words. And once we have an action that's planted, uh, we act on those words or those thoughts, then it becomes a habit. We continue in that over and over again. And we'll talk a little bit more about this as we go throughout this, this series because we're learning more about our brains and we're able to actually map and to see into our brains now. And we're learning that our brains and the train tracks, if you will, the neurons that connect in our brains, that there's plasticity to it. They can change. So when we'll talk next week about Romans 12, where Paul says, you know, renew your mind, that you can actually lay down new train tracks. And the idea is that the more negative you are, the negative thoughts, it's easier to have another negative thought because you're creating a neuro pathway that your brain says, oh, we've thought this before. We'll just do it again. And the same thing is true with godly thoughts, with good. And, you know, when Paul says in Philippians 4, think on these things, that we're laying these neuro pathways to have godly thoughts. So the more negative thinking you have, the, the easier it is to think negatively. The more godly you think, the more easy, easier it is to, to think in a godly way. That's how God wired us. But this idea that our actions create a habit, our habits, if we plant habits, they become a lifestyle, the way that we live. And the way that we live, just to take us back to our bottom line, takes us to a destination. And if you think about where you are in your life today, everybody watch this. You think about where you are today and you kind of go back and trace where you are. Many of you could probably trace it all the way back to a single thought. Something that came through the train station and was it manned or unmanned, the train that left the station? Was it being directed someplace or not being directed? Who was at the controls of that thought? And you can see the progression and the power of thinking. So again, here's the deal. God gave you this powerful, powerful brain. And if you think about it, right, as this train station receiving and sending out different thoughts, he has something to say about it. God has something to say about this brain that he gave you. And in fact, all throughout the scriptures, God talks about your thoughts and the power of your thoughts and, and, and allowing your thoughts to come underneath the influence of his thoughts. And probably no one else in the Bible writes more about your thoughts and your mind and the power of them than the apostle Paul. All throughout his letters in the New Testament, he's talking about our thoughts and the power of them and directing those thoughts and our thoughts coming under the influence of the mind of Jesus. And so in 1 Corinthians, if you have your Bible and you wanna turn there, in 1 Corinthians chapter two, Paul is talking about wisdom. Now, how many of you, just raise your hand real quick, how many of you would say with something that you're facing in your life today, something that's facing you at work tomorrow, or in a situation or relationship that you find yourself in, even eight days into the new year, you would say, I need wisdom to know how to solve or to come around this challenge or issue in my life. I need wisdom. How many of you raise your hand and say, I need wisdom in my life? All right, just look, just hold them up for a second. Now just look around. 
Okay. Paul's writing about wisdom here. And he sees your hands raised here. And he's talking to the church at Corinth, just like us, with their hands raised, saying, we need wisdom. And he says, well, let me talk to you about wisdom. And he said, there's a wisdom that each of us seeks to, to solve and to deal with the issues and challenges and relationships and things in our life in this broken world. But he says, there's a wisdom that comes from God and not from the world. And you can go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 for yourself a little bit more about this. But let me just highlight a couple of things. He says in verse 10 and 11, he says, you know, who can know the thoughts of a person except their spirit? Uh, In other words, except their own volition, their own thinking, their own understanding. Who can know another person's thoughts? The person sitting beside you right now, you can't know what they're thinking unless they speak it or they act out on it. Uh, Paul says the only way to know a person's thoughts is through their spirit. And he says, who can know the thoughts of God except his spirit? And then he says, but God has given each of us as believers, those of you who are followers of Jesus in the room and watching today, God's given us his spirit. And so we have insight into his thoughts. And he says, we can know the deep mysteries of God and the wisdom of God through the spirit of God. We can actually understand his thoughts. And then he says this in verse 16, for who can know, he's quoting from the prophet Isaiah. He says, for who can know the thoughts of Uh, the Lord's thoughts. Who knows enough to teach him? And then I want you to just think about this. Paul says, but we understand these things. What, What are these things? The Lord's thoughts. You ever wonder what God's thinking in a situation that you're facing, something going on in your life right now? God, what are you thinking? What are you doing? I want to know what's in your head right now. How many of you have said that to someone on the car ride on the way over here? What's in your head right now? What what were you thinking? You ever think that about God? What's in your head, God? What, what, What are you thinking? I want to know what you're thinking. And Paul says, you can, because God's giving you his spirit. And you have a, an understanding, an insight into the very thoughts of God. And then he says this, we understand God's thoughts, for we have what? This is, it's a, it's, this is in the Bible. We have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? What is the mind as it's represented here by Paul? The mind is the center of one's life, the center of their direction, their thinking, their purposes, their understanding, their truth. And Paul says, we have the very mind of Christ through God's spirit. We can know what God is thinking. We can match our thoughts up with God's thoughts. So I just want to dispel this right now as we think about this series on on our thoughts. Um, This is not a humanistic series or an understanding of like six steps to a better you or like just, just the power of positive thinking. This is the, see, it's interesting. The world understands the power of thought. But what the world doesn't understand, and Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 2, is that actually the, 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 the power of our thoughts and the direction of our thoughts come underneath the thoughts of God. And so the world story is, you know, yeah, you've got this really powerful brain and you just have to direct it yourself and you are strong enough and powerful enough and clever enough to direct your thoughts. And Paul says, no, you can't. The only way to direct your thoughts, this powerful, powerful engine that God gave to you, is by putting them underneath the mind of Christ. 
And the only way to have real wisdom, not just knowledge, but wisdom, wisdom is knowledge through experience. The only way to have the wisdom of God is to actually have the mind of Christ and to put your brain underneath the mind of God. This is what Paul is saying. And he says two things distinctively if you're taking notes here, just if, you know, on 1 Corinthians 2.16. Go back and read the passage again this week, 1 Corinthians 2.16. And think about these two things that were freely given by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Paul says in verses 10 and 11, you can't know someone's thoughts unless you, you have their spirit. And Paul says, but God has given us his spirit so we can know his thoughts. So we're freely given by the Holy Spirit access to the thoughts of God what God directs, what he wills, what he purposes. How many of you, you don't need to raise your hand and say, I I just wanna know what God's doing in my life. I need purpose in my life. I need direction as we start a new year. I need need the thought of God of what did he mean when he meant me? And Paul says the only way to know that is through God's spirit and to know that he does have a thought about your life and that he gives you access to his direction and his will and his purposes, that you can actually have the mind of Christ directing you. And that's the second thing to understand is that the mind of Christ, his direction, his will, is able to direct your thoughts. And this is so important because back to the beginning, your brain is a train station and every one of those thoughts coming and going has a destination. Every thought is taking you some place. And so let's go to one more passage, where Paul, just for today, where Paul talks about your thoughts and the power of your thoughts. And this time, he's still writing to the church at Corinth. He wrote four letters that we know of to the church at Corinth. Two of them are in the New Testament, First and Second Corinthians. And in Second Corinthians, he continues talking about your thought life and the power of your thoughts and coming under the influence of the mind of Christ. And in our passage today that I, that I read to you earlier, You know, he says in verse five, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God and we capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. So if you're taking notes, here's the simple teaching from today. That again, God has this beautiful and powerful brain that he gave to each of you and he has something to say about it. And Paul specifically today is saying here in 2 Corinthians 10, that when we hear things from the outside, let's start there, when, when proud thoughts and arguments come against the knowledge of God, of who we know God to be through, his, through his counsel, the, the, the counsel of his word, through the understanding of who God is, by his spirit that he's given to us to know his mind, when we hear something that comes against the knowledge of God, what do we do? Well, I'll consider it. Is that what we do? I'll consider, I'll, I'll, I'll take it under consideration. Or I'll just, I'll, I'll kind of put it on the table and think about it in terms of, you know, God's truth and what you're saying and what you're saying and what you're saying and all the different opinions that the world wants to give to you. How many of you have people in your life that want to share their opinions with you? <laughs> a lot of people have a lot to say. Lots of noise. And Paul says, here's, here's, here's what, what, we, what you do when it comes to kind of thinking about your thoughts and the destination that every single one of them, 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day coming through your brain. He says the first thing that we do is from the outside, those thoughts coming in against us, the noise, whether it's social media, people in your circles, whatever, relationships, wherever they might be coming, it's coming from all over the place. Says the first thing that we do is the things that come against the knowledge of God that we know to be true about God, we destroy them. 
We don't coddle them. We don't take them under consideration. We don't kind of just put them on the table and think about, the, you know, no, we destroy those arguments. We, we, we don't consider them at all. And this is what, you know, when people say, well, I can't control my thought life. I, I, I can't control what I think. Well, Paul seems to say that you can. Under the influence of the mind of Christ that you can take a thought that comes into your brain from the outside. And by the way, the, the, the enemy his greatest weapon against us is deceitful thinking. So it, it starts very small. Think about Genesis 3. Did God really say that you can't eat of the, this fruit? Is that really what God said? Just planted a thought. You know, you, you, you married young, and you didn't really know each other, and there's probably someone else out there that would make you happier. You should just leave your spouse. Just, just a thought. And all of these thoughts are coming against us. And a lot of them originate from the enemy who wants to get a thought in our brain that becomes an emotion, a stored memory, then it becomes a word, an action, a habit, a lifestyle, a destination. So Paul says, first of all, we destroy every proud argument, an obstacle that comes against people knowing God. So we play offense and we're, we're destroying things that are coming from the outside into our hearts. So, so many of you today, when you leave, you better believe that the world is telling a very loud story to you. And all kinds of thoughts are gonna be coming at you. And the only way to identify, by the way, a lie or something that, that is a proud obstacle against people knowing God, including ourselves knowing God, is to know the truth. And the more we know the truth, the more we can identify a lie. And when we, we, we see a lie coming, here's, here's an example of a lie. You really shouldn't forgive that person. They're, they're, not, they're not worth it. They, they haven't changed. Um, they haven't said they're sorry. Uh, they're not worth your time and forgiving them. How many of you, you don't need to raise your hand, how many of you would say that's a, that's a thought I've, I've actually had. I'll raise my hand in front of you and said, that's a thought I've had. But it doesn't match up with the truth of God that says forgive in the way that you've been forgiven. So when I go back and trace all that, I know that it's not coming from the heart of God. So who is it coming from? An animated force that's real, an evil force that wants to plant thoughts in your mind to take root so that they can become actions and words and habits and a lifestyle and a destination that takes you far from the heart of God. So we destroy arguments and opinions and thoughts that come against God. But what's the second thing Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 10, 5? He says, well, we capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. Well, this is really powerful because you know, I think about it like a video game with all these things coming at you and you're just, you're shooting them down like, I forget the name of the game. Um, but you're like, you're destroying all these arguments that are coming against you, right? But then there's this idea that you're also capturing the thoughts that come from within. So there's arguments and lofty opinions and thoughts that are coming from outside, but there's also rebellious thoughts that are coming from our own hearts because our hearts are rebellious. Our brains unto themselves are rebellious against God and in constant tension. Paul talked about this in Romans 7. 
So he writes here that we capture rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. In other words, when we catch a thought that's coming through our brain, right, whatever it might be, you should just, you should just cheat on the exam. You should just lie. Uh, you, 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 you should just, you know, hold on to that. You, you should just let that go. Whatever it might be that's in your life, that, that thought that's coming against the knowledge of God, the will of God in your life, what you know to be true, we're capturing that, but what, this is so good. Not only do we capture it, but Paul says, we then teach that thought to obey Jesus. So in other words, when we say, you know, I just can't control my thoughts, I mean, whatever. Well, well, Paul here says that actually, when you think the thought before it become, leaves the train station, right, you can begin to teach your thoughts to obey Jesus. Well, how do you do that? Well, you gotta know Jesus, and you gotta be in God's word and his truth, and you gotta match up your thoughts to God's word and his truth, and you begin to disciple your thoughts. You begin to tell your thoughts where to go instead of your thoughts telling you where to go, right? This is the difference between your mind and your brain, right? The mind is the centerpiece of will and volition and direction. Your brain is the physical um, machine that God gave to you to process all of those thoughts. But you actually have choice in that. You can destroy proud obstacles and arguments that come against people knowing God, including yourself. And you can capture rebellious thoughts in your own mind, these runaway trains and thoughts, and then bring them and teach them to obey Christ. Uh, several years ago, we got a new remote control. It was a really exciting day in our house. And um, I messed around with it for a while. How many of you are manual readers? Instru like you like manual instructions, manuals? Yeah. I'm not. Um, I, I'm, we're on a, I like to just be on a journey. We're gonna experience and we're gonna figure this thing out as we go. And so I had spent so much time trying to figure out the remote control, it wasn't working. And Jen came in and said, well, have you, did you read the manual? I glanced at it, I perused it. Um, no, I haven't read the manual. Well, read the manual. And within like three minutes, she reads the manual, hits a few buttons and it's working perfectly. And you know, to me, that's a great picture of your brain. Like when you read the manual and you begin to orient it in the right way, it works exactly how God designed it to you. But when we're not coming back to truth, when, we, when we're not aligning our hearts and minds to the mind of Christ, it's not working properly. And moreover, it's taking us in very dangerous directions and places. All right, I'm gonna stop here for today, but Let's come back to CSX 8888. You wanna know how they ran down that train? How they stopped that runaway train that was loaded with hazardous materials, unmanned? They got a more powerful train and they ran it down. And that more powerful train uh, connected to CSX 8888, the runaway train, and it started pulling the other direction. So CSX 8888's going this way, the more powerful train ran and caught it, connected to it, and started pulling the opposite direction. And soon enough, that more powerful train began to influence CSX 8888 and pulled it all the way back to the train station. We destroy 
every argument that comes against the knowledge of Christ. And we take captive all the rebellious runaway trains and we teach those thoughts to obey Jesus. That's what happened with runaway train. They took a more powerful train. They took the mind of Jesus, the power of God, and they ran down the rebellious train and they brought it all the way back to the train station to start over again. What would it look like this year for you to love God with your heart, with your soul, with your strength, and with your mind. How would that, just think about it for just a second, how would putting your thoughts under the thought of God, under the mind of Christ, God's thought, his direction, how would that change your life? How would that change your marriage, your family, your workplace, how would that change the crisis or the situation that you're dealing with today to have the mind of God and walking through that situation? Your brain is a train station and every one of those 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day, every single one of them has a destination. And over the next six weeks, we're gonna talk about having the mind of Christ and making sure that every one of those thoughts, every one of them, obeys the thought of Christ. To Christ alone be the glory today. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks for it with his disciples at a table. And looking them in the eye, he, he broke it and he said, this is my body that's given for each and every one of you. And likewise, he took a very common cup filled with wine and he said, this cup represents my blood that's shed for each and every one of you. And then Jesus said this, everyone, everyone watch this. He said, as often as you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, you proclaim my sacrifice. I think part of what Jesus was doing with his disciples on that night and part of what he's communicating with us today through the table 2,000 years later is that every time we come to the table of God, we're setting our minds on truth. We're putting the thought of the gospel first in our mind. That God did for us through Jesus what we could not and what we would not do for ourselves that through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, God fully accomplished salvation for you and for me. And that's what the gospel is. The word gospel means good news. That's the good news that God did for you and for me what we couldn't do for ourselves. And when we come to this table, we remind our hearts and our minds of truth and we proclaim that to a world that desperately needs to understand it that needs to understand a thought that's beyond their own thoughts, that needs to understand that there's a God that loves them and not only loves them, but came and paid the ultimate price and sacrifice for them. That's the truth of the gospel. And God wanted us to have a visceral way that we experienced his love and reminded ourselves and put that in our hearts and our minds to carry truth throughout our day. So I wanna encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to participate today. 
The Bible says that before we come to the table, we should prepare our hearts and our minds. If we're holding on to something, if we're storing something, whether it's a thought, an action, a word, or something that's not in obedience to the thought of God, that we would confess that. We would ask for God's forgiveness, and we prepare our hearts to come. For those of you today in the room who are not followers of Jesus, I'm so glad that you're here, and I hope you'll come back. This is a, a safe place to hear a very dangerous message, the message of Jesus that can change your life. I'm so glad you're here. But the table is for people who are followers of Jesus. And the reason why is because it's meant to be a reminder of what God has done for each and every one of us who call on Jesus. But it should be for each of you who are exploring, who are maybe kicking the tires on faith and trying to figure out who is Jesus and is it real, is it true, does he really love me? It should be a reminder of his love for you today. And we want you to come forward. But I just wanna invite you to just cross your arms if you're in a place where you'd say, I'm not a follower of Jesus or I'm not in a place today to receive the table, because we wanna pray for you. And just would invite you to come forward and cross your arms and we'll say a blessing over you. Let me invite you now just for a moment to prepare your hearts and minds before we come to the table today. Let's pray together. creating us a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within us. Cast us not away from your presence. Please don't take your Holy Spirit from us. But instead, today, this morning, would you restore to each of us the joy of our salvation, the joy of knowing you, Jesus, and renew a right spirit within us. I pray for each of my dear friends here today that they would experience you, Jesus, and the power of your resurrection love for them through your table today. I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. This is the table of God for you, the people of God. So you're gonna be dismissed by row and invite you to come forward and receive, and then you'll, you'll head back to your seats. You'll just take the wafer and dip it in the cup um, and then head on back to your seats. And I just would encourage you in the time before and after to just uh, spend a few moments uh, praying for things that are going on in your life, people around you, and take the opportunity to pray as you're waiting to receive the cup. Come forward now.
today. Uh, New City in Five starts right now. I'd love to tell you five things about our church in five minutes, I promise. Five minutes or less, and we'll keep your kids for five more minutes, okay? So meet me right over here in the West Foyer. If you go out the main doors, just turn left, and we'll start here in just a moment. Uh, If you want to stop by Connection Point, if you don't have time to stay, um, we'd love to give you a gift if you're visiting with us and tell you a little bit more about our church. If you'd like to pray uh, for something going on in your life today, 
If you'd like to talk about how to start a relationship with Christ, uh, we have members of our care team that'll be up front after every service. They've got a yellow lanyard on, so you'll be able to easily identify them. They'd love to pray with you, uh, talk with you about starting a relationship with Jesus. Giving is a part of our worship here. If you're visiting with us, please don't feel obligated to give, but we do see giving as an act of worship. So if you call New City your home, and you're committed to our mission of helping people find and follow Jesus, you can give online at newcity.us give or in one of the green boxes on your way out today. If you're able, would you extend your hands for a benediction as we go? I hope you'll come back next week as we continue train station and we'll be looking at Romans chapter 12 if you wanna read ahead. Now may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon yours. May the Lord be gracious unto you and lift up his attention towards you. And may the Lord today and all throughout this week fill you with his peace and his hope and his love. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Love you, New City.